Um, I tell you what, like, I really do believe, though, this year is like, it's like a book. We've got a big book, Head 2020. The book, the pages are turning. I'm trying to get which way I do it so it looks right for you. We're turning this way, aren't we? Turning the pages this way. Yes, 2020 is closed, and 2021 is there, and it's a blank page. And God is about to write a new story in your life. I, I, I feel, I'm not a reader as such, but I love stories. I'm always been a by stories. And so like, I'm a sucker for stories. If I'm in a conversation with someone over here and someone tells a story over here, I will struggle so hard to focus on you. You know, if I'm in a conversation with you and someone's telling a story, I really apologize. I'm doing my best, but I'm always drawn to stories. And, uh, and I remember my very first biography I ever read. And uh, I was working in a secondhand store and I picked up this biography for like $2 and it was, it was about a guy called Frank Abagnale. And, uh, and some of you might recognize his name. There was a movie made about him in about two, 2002 called Catch Me If You Can. This guy um, was a total con, con artist, ripped off people. From the age of 14 to 20, he reckons he wrote about 17,000 bogus checks and ripped people off of millions of dollars. So let that be inspiration for you in 2021. <laughs> You know, come to church, learn how to make lots of money. Uh, and uh, that's, a ter- that's actually a terrible example. Sorry about that. Uh, other biographies I've read, though, there's one, uh, someone gave me one. Uh, it's called Seven Great Men. These are men of faith. There's a better start. Men of faith. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's start again. Start again. Men of faith who believed in God, wanted to give them their life, and uh, great stories. I just get inspired by those stories. Uh, one real quick one. There's a guy called Eric Liddell who's in this book. Some of you might recognize him, his name. In, in 1924, he was a Scotsman. He was believed to have been the fastest man alive, you know, and, uh, and uh, he had this thing. He was filled with passion for God. He said, God made me fast. Actually, he probably said it in a Scottish accent. God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And, uh, and that's how he was. And uh, it, you, you can watch videos of him when he ran, and he was fast at the 100 meters. He would run, and t- when he got to his top speed, he would actually lift his head up, like he was, and he would smile, like he's viewing the presence of God. And, uh, and in 1924, he qualified for the Olympic Games, 100 meters in Paris. Everyone was expecting him to win. Uh, but then he found out that his heat was on a Sunday. And he was a devout Christian who believed that Sunday was a day of rest. It was the Sabbath, and you do not question that, and you do not debate that. So he pulled out, and never to run that race. People couldn't believe it. It shocked the world. And he ended up only competing in the 200 and 400. They weren't his best events. Uh, but right before that, he got into the 400-meter final at least. Right before that race, someone handed him a note, someone he didn't know. And on that note, it said this. In the old book, it says, he that honors me, I will honor. Wishing you the best of success always. He carried that note with him, and he got a gold medal in the 400 meters. In actual fact, he made a new world record, which is an amazing story. What most people don't know about this man, he went off to be a missionary in China and, uh, and impacted hundreds of lives in that place. Amazing story. But um, I, I'm, I'm not just inspired by stories, you know, you read of people in far off places, but I've been inspired by stories of people in the lives around me. You know, that really inspires me. Uh, there's a woman in, in our church who we just celebrated her life just before Christmas, Anne Cross. She's an amazing woman. She passed away just before Christmas. Many of you know she was on our staff here at Arise. And, um, and she was an incredible woman. And story after story just came out of the way that she would be selfless, giving, asking of others, constantly thinking of other people. I think 
when Anna and I went in to visit her, probably the second to last time, you could see, you know, she's in, at that stage would have been her worst state, yet she's constantly bringing the conversation back to us. How are your boys? I've been thinking of them. I've been praying for them, asking specific things about our kids. Can I just tell you, a woman like that has written so many stories that have impacted hundreds, if not thousands of lives, simply because she was selfless, she put God first, she loved people, and she was willing to give Him her life. Come on, that is amazing. And, uh, and God, can I say God in 2021, what kind of story is He about to write in your life? Because we stand on the edge of that. You know, there could be stories that come out of this year that you will tell your children about, you know? There could be stories that come out this year that your next door neighbor will tell their children about because what God did in their life through you. Maybe a colleague will be praising God for 2021 because of what God did through you in their life. You know, we stand on the brink of anything that God can do. And uh, it's a very exciting experience. Um, in Hebrews 12, it says this, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Can I say at the outset, God, Jesus, is the author of your life. He's the author of your story in 2021. And if you believe that, can I get a little amen? amen. Come on, God's the author of your life. And in every story, uses the same building blocks. Every story uses the building blocks of words. Right? That might seem obvious, but it's, it's not just the same when we read. It's the same in God's creative process. God uses words to create. We're going to take a look at the beginning of the creation stories in Genesis, Genesis 1 verse 1. And it starts off by reading this. In the beginning, which by the way is a great way to start a story. We're going to start a story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering above the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is God's creative force. He used His words. God spoke it out, and it came into existence. He spoke the stars into place. He spoke uh, living animals in the waters beneath. He spoke it out, and it came into existence. In the New Testament, we see a really similar passage. In John 1, it says this. In the beginning, sounds familiar? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And suddenly now, we're not just talking about words, but now we're realizing those words are not just words. They are a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And His words are the creative force. His words, when He says it, it becomes into reality. You know, back in the early, uh, in the early days, if God wanted to speak to His people, He'd use prophets, you know? You know, we hear about Moses, you know, Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, and God would speak through these guys. When they spoke, people would write their words down. They'd hang off every word. They'd hang their life lives off those words. They'd write it on manuscripts and duplicate it from manuscript to manuscript and let everyone hear. That was how they heard the Word of God. But now we scoop forward to Jesus. And it says that He's not just speaking the words of God, but He is the Word of God. Jesus Christ exemplified everything that God wanted to express in this world, everything that He wanted to say. The story that God wanted to write came through Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, at the start of 2021, 
If Jesus is in your life, then He's writing the pages of your new year. He's writing the pages of your story. And can I say, He specializes in redemption stories. He specializes in great comebacks. If 2020 was a tough year, can I say, God specializes in great comebacks. And then the new chapter, the new year, God is about to do a new thing in your life. And I love what uh, Shahan brought out in that worship. Heaven will prevail in 2021. Come on, those are the words of God. Heaven will prevail in your 2021. Hey, so if we want to follow the story of God, then we need to know how to do it. And I just wanna give you four really helpful points that are gonna help you today at the beginning of this year to follow God's story for your life. Are you ready? Does that sound good? Okay, well, point number one, we need to stop rereading the old chapters and start reading the new. You know, when I was uh, 15 years old, I, I realized that I had a bit of a problem with reading, um, you know, and, and look, I think it was a common problem. A lot of people have a similar thing, and, uh, but it really kind of hampered me. I, could, I never liked reading novels. I never read novels. I hated it because what would happen is I'd start to read, and then I'd forget what I've written or what I've read. I'd go back over that sentence again. I'd do paragraphs again and still forget them. I remember reading whole pages and thinking, I don't have a clue of anything I've just read on this page. You know, it's a shocker. And uh, so what, what happened was when we uh, did this course, as they gave us a little device that we clamped onto the side of our book, had a little battery and a motor in it, and had this arm that went down the page and would cover the words you've read so you couldn't go back and reread. And I'm, I'm panicking. I'm like, I, 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 like I, can't, I can't go back. This is disaster. You know, and I'm like, this really, what was that sentence? Do I have time to do it? Yeah, no, I don't. Okay, carry on, you know. And, and the amazing thing happens, it changes your mindset immediately. Like, it got me out of a habit of constantly going backwards and got me into a habit of focusing on what is ahead. You know what? This is a ploy that the enemy often uses. He gets us to focus on what happened in the past. And I tell you what, he's not going to get you to focus on the good things in the past. He's going to get you to focus on every mistake you made, every trip up, every failure, every time someone else hurt you and you realize, yeah, people don't love me. I'm, a, you know, I'm often overlooked or I'm often rejected. I don't, I'm, not, I'm never the one who comes out on top. You know, he'll say, hey, do you remember that failure you made there? It was pretty embarrassing, wasn't it? You know what? Probably a lot of people still remember that. And you know you made it again over here? Do you remember that? You know what? You're facing this situation coming up this year. I bet you'll do it again. I bet you'll face that again. In actual fact, this will be a recurring theme year after year after year. And now he's not just talking about the past. He's projecting that onto the future. He's trying to rewrite on the pages of your future saying you're going to see it again and again and again. He's actually known in the Bible as the accuser of the brethren, which is a funny old school phrase. You know, I never even used the word brethren. But anyway, uh, what he's trying to say, what the Bible is telling us is he will constantly accuse you to pull you down to, so that you would never step into the future that God has for you. But we need to let go of that. You know what? God treats us in another way. I want to read this from Isaiah. Isaiah 43 says this, I, yes, I am the one and only who completely erases your sin, never to be seen again. I will not remember them again. Freely I do this because of who I am. God's story says that I'm forgiven. God's story says that He's forgotten it. God's story says that it's in the past. It's gone. No longer to be brought up. It's not a part of our future. It doesn't dictate our future. It may have an effect, but it doesn't dictate what God's about to do. That's the amazing thing. I love this. In Philippians chapter three, the writer here that says this, no dear brothers and sisters, 
I have not achieved it. And look, can I just say at the outset, none of us have achieved it. We're here because we're hoping that things will get better. You know what I mean? I mean, have a look at your husband, your wife. You're kind of hoping that things will get better. And uh, no, man, that was a low blow, wasn't it? That was, that, was, that was terrible. I shouldn't have said that. My wife's amazing. She's probably hoping that about me. But if things can't get better with her, no way. I'm just leaving that there. Okay, let's move on in the Scripture. But I focus on this one thing. Thank you, Paul, for saving me. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. God has a prize for you. He's got a plan for you. It's a plan to prosper you, to give you hope, to bring a future, something you've always been dreaming of. The past may have had its mistakes, but the future has the Word of God. The story of God will prevail. Come on. Hey, well, point number two, start each chapter with gratitude for what's written in your story so far. You know, can I just say, gratitude absolutely blows me away. Like, I really am genuinely blown away by the power of gratitude and what it can do in your life. You know, throughout the Scripture, God is often reminding us, remember what I've done. Be grateful for what I've done. Thank, you know, be thankful for all that's happened in your past. Having, reminding us to have uh, festivals where we would remember the victories of the past. He's constantly wanting us to remember the goodness of God and be grateful for it. And I feel like that, you know, that's all through Scripture, but it feels like now in the last decade or two, it's like the medical world has been catching up. You know, when we've got a world that's full of anxiety and depression, it's like this medical world is catching up on the power of gratitude. Every year I, I like to read a, a good book, a good summer read, and someone who's sitting in this auditorium right now recommended a great summer read for me. I'll read you the title and let you decide whether you think this is a great summer read. This is the title of the book, Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. Well, with a title like that, that is going to be a stunner of a read that you want to read on your holiday. You know, have a good belly laugh to a book like that. That's going to be some great stories to tell. But can tell you what, this has been one of the most uplifting books I've ever read. And uh, honestly, I've told, talked more about this book in the last year or so than just about any other book. And what amazed me about this is the writer, it was an investigative journalist. He's putting together... Uh, you know, studies and uh, done all around the world over many, many decades and pulling together information that's never been pulled together like this before and uncovering what maybe some of the real causes of depression and really the real solutions. And time after time, I'm reading his, his conclusions. I'm thinking, man, that's, that lines up with the Word of God. Absolutely. My gosh, this is a kingdom principle right here. He challenged me about how closely I'm living to some of my kingdom principles. And then I get three quarters of the way through the book and uh, then he starts to talk about prayer. Now, this guy's not a Christian. And he says, I cannot deny that prayer is medically proven to increase your level of depression going above and beyond, going into new realms. He said, but because I'm an atheist, it's not available to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, the guy's even proving that prayer works, yet because he's made a decision way back here that he's an atheist, he's now going, ah, I can't do it. You know, I can't do it. Can't bring myself to it. But anyway... Uh, this is what Harvard Medical School says about gratitude. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. As a result, gratitude also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to people, nature, 
or a higher power. Did you hear that? So Harvard Medical School says, this is how you can connect with God. Do you believe that? An organization that doesn't necessarily acknowledge the existence of God says, with gratitude, you can connect to people, to nature, and to God. It's amazing what it will do. But sometimes it's so easy to be grateful for something one, one minute and then turn away and lose that gratitude another minute. Do you remember when you first got, you got your first job and you're like, you know, I've been praying for this job. I really want it. And then you got the opportunity like, oh my gosh, God, this is amazing. You know, you walk into the office for the first time. You're like, I love that car park. That is an amazing car park. And these people in here, we're going to be hanging out on weekends. I can just tell that guy's a laugh. He's funny. She's slightly good looking. Oh, it's going to be amazing. My boss loves me. It's all going good. And then after a little while, things, the tables turn. You know, maybe someone steals your car park. You know, maybe you realize the boss doesn't really recognize my skill sets that I'm bringing to the organization. And people are so negative. Have you? Negative all the time. And my gosh, and the coffee. They don't even have plunger. It's instant coffee, people. It's not even Makona. You know, oh my gosh. You know, or, or you, start, you start a new high school, you know, or, you know, you hit university and you're like, oh, I'm taking my whole studies to a whole nother level, you know, and you're excited and then you get your first assignment and, you know, teachers suck, homework sucks, everything sucks, PE sucks, or maybe not PE, PE is always good, but, um, or the, when you prayed to get married, remember that moment? You prayed to get married and you're like, God, I know the Apostle Paul was called to be single, but I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not. I just need someone, anyone. I don't really care. Uh, I just need someone. You know, I don't want to be like this for the rest of my life. And then you meet that person and your wedding day is amazing. And she comes down the aisle and you're like, I'm in heaven. This can't get any better than this. And then you go on the honeymoon and things change a little bit. And then, and um, I'm not getting into those details, but anyway, um, um, I don't know what you guys are thinking about, but, you know, I don't know. A few years down the track, things don't go quite right. And then you're like, oh, you know what? I, I deserve someone better than this. You know, I don't, or she doesn't, you know. It's amazing what can go on, but suddenly we lose our gratitude. We lose our gratitude. Can I read this scripture from Psalm 103? Because I think this is so important for us. It says this, verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that He does for me. That verse right there, I think some people need to grab a hold of. May I never forget the job He gave me. May I always be grateful. May I never forget this opportunity of study. I'm gonna give my heart and soul to this. May I never forget God gave me my wife. He gave me my husband. He answered my prayer and I will do my best to see this marriage into a much better place. Come on. Uh, I think that many people can take their word with them. Um, here's an amazing thing. Gratitude unlocks something incredible. It unlocks faith within us. Why? Because now we start to remember the good things that God's done in our past. You know, now it's like, hey, remember when God did that? I'm so grateful for that. What's stirring in your faith? Faith. And your heart is faith. It's starting to grow. I'm starting to believe if God did it then, He can do it again. You know, I remember when I was in that time and I could never get out of that moment. I thought I was doomed, but God made a way where there was no way. You know, I remember that time when I absolutely ran out of money and I didn't know what I was gonna do in that moment, but God came through. And if God did it then, He can do it again. Come on, God is the God of second chances. He says, if I can do it once, I can do it twice. I can do it a hundred times in your life. 
Come on, when we're grateful, then God lifts our heart and we suddenly our heart is filled with faith. So we need to start each chapter with gratitude for what's written in your story. Point number three, don't allow fear or insecurity to run in your pages. Can I just say the enemy will prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's constantly looking for a way to pull you down. And he'll often do that by putting fear into your life. You know, there's an amazing illustration, a key moment in the story of Israel where they went through this very thing. You know, for years they've been, they've been uh, believing for a promised land. Abraham had been promised this by God. And uh, for centuries they'd never seen it come through. They'd been in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. Then God did miracles, broke them out of that moment. They were wandering through the desert. That was a crazy time. But now they're standing on the brink of what God is telling them. This is the land of promise for you. You as a generation get to experience that. None of your predecessors will have experienced this moment. And he says, I want you to grab a hold of it. So they send out 12 spies. And many of you might know the story. 10 came back with one report. Two, Caleb and Joshua came back with a completely different report. We're going to pick it up here. This is the 10 spies, their report. To Moses, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living here are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Now, the spies up until this point, they're essentially speaking facts. You know, that's true. When you there fortified cities, when you by reading later on that there were giants in the land. We knew that that was fact, but they were weighting it towards producing fear. That's the way they were, that's the way they were delivering that information. Uh, but Caleb, he had another story. This is what he said in verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. And this is where they allowed fear to write on the script of the story. Now they're putting a whole lot of their own fearful uh, slant and information on it. Have a check this out. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who lives there. That is a total fabrication. That is them just writing fear all over this. We even saw the giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Suddenly now, they're allowing fear to write the future. This will happen. They were, like, they were saying, hey, you know what? We should have, it would have been better to have died in Egypt than gone forward and done this. Now, that is ludicrous, you know? They've lost their sense of, you know, what's reality or not. But the amazing thing is the Israelites drunk this whole thing down. It said that that night, no one got any sleep. They cried all night, and they were just complaining all the next day. They wholly drunk that whole sense of fear, and uh, that stopped them. Can I just say this? I don't want to downplay the sense of fear. None of us will walk through life without experiencing fear or trial or some sort of, you know, what might seem like an insurmountable burden. The truth is we will all face that. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom, but if you haven't faced it, oh, well, you know, maybe you will one day. But anyway, uh, John 16, says this. I have told you all this, and this is Jesus speaking. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. God wants you to take heart in Him. He's overcome the world. Heaven will prevail. He's going to do it. 
God is on your side. I had this uh, moment of time where a few years ago I had an opportunity to take up a unique opportunity in a high school. And, and uh, I could take for one year their understanding faith classes. And it was an amazing opportunity that most of the students there, you know, wouldn't attend church ever. And, um, and so this was a, an amazing chance. Someone had taken a year's leave and uh, I was filling this lot for a year. I was excited. This was really cool. And uh, I thought this was a great chance. I was really excited. But there was one part of the role where for two minutes, um, I needed to share a devotional to all the staff members on a Friday morning. And for some reason, that part of the role filled me with fear. I, I don't know what was going on inside my head. Well, I do. I'll tell you what it was. I was thinking, you know, who am I to come and speak to these guys? This woman has built up years of uh, rapport, and she's got knowledge and skills. And, and I'm turning up on the scene, and day one, I'm sharing what my insights into how you should be a better person or, you know, uh, you know better relate to children. I don't even have much teaching experience. There's senior staff members in the room, the principals in the room. You know, there's the management team in the room. And I'm the one sharing with them. And honestly, I just went down further. My, my fear rose up within me. I remember the very first time I shared in that staff meeting, my devotional. And, uh, and my heart was racing. My mouth was so dry, I, I stopped in the middle of words. Um, I was quivering with my hands. People around me would have seen what was going on. People across the room wouldn't have had a clue. But the people around me would have thought, what is up with this guy, you know? I get two minutes and he falls apart, you know? And uh, the next Friday when I was driving to school, the whole scene changed in the car. I, man, now my, my drive to school was a battlefield. <laughs> God, I believe you've called me to this role. I've got this opportunity. There might have been other people more qualified, but you've asked me to do it. God, I'm not here by accident. And if you've appointed me, then you will anoint me. God, you'll give me what I need. You'll give me the skills. you give me the words. you give me the thoughts. God, what I say will have an impact. I may feel fear, but I'm going to step out there anyway. Can I tell you, there was no, never a single time that I did not feel fearful when I was reading my devotion that day, I was often quivering. I was often sweating. My heart was always racing. And uh, yet I still went out there every time. I remember the very end of the year, and one of the staff members came up to me. And let's just describe it. I don't know quite how to say, but she is not friendly to the things of God in any way whatsoever. And, uh, and she was a woman I would have thought would have had probably the most issue with what I would have said. And I remember she came up to me at the very end of the year. And she goes, Chris, I want to talk to you about the devotionals. Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I found them very, very good. They're absolutely quite amazing. And I think you should be a motivational speaker. I was like, wow, that just came out of the blue. Uh, so there we go. So I'm starting my motivational speaking next week. Uh, that's going to be really good. Uh, uh, but um, look, I was just blown away. Can I tell you, we will all experience fear of some kind. But fear doesn't need to dictate our decisions. Look, I, I think maybe something you're facing this year might fill you with a sense of dread. But can I say, Jesus' words to us was that I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So you will experience fear, intimidation. There will be moments that feel overwhelming. But remember, Jesus has overcome the world, and He writes the story of our future. He writes where our life is heading. Don't let fear and insecurity write on your pages. And the final point, point number four, we need to trust the author. He specializes in redemption stories. We need to trust the author. Uh, John 1, I want to read this verse again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. In verse 4, in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Can I say, maybe you're standing on the end of a chapter that's like a cliffhanger. You know, when you read those books and you're at that cliffhanger moment. Or maybe, you know, you feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Can I say, don't camp there. Just keep moving. You know, God is a God who is often making great comeback stories. He's done it for centuries. He's done it for millennium. He's going to do it again. He's done it in my life. We could go around the room and point out a whole bunch of people. He's written redemption stories in their lives. He can do it in yours as well. You know, when we come back to that amazing moment where the Israelites, they'd said no to stepping into the promised land. And now suddenly they were cut off from it, never to go through that. And maybe you, I don't know, maybe you feel like you've made some choices that have cut you off from what could have been the future. Can I just say, God gives us second chances. He gives us second chances despite what we've done. You know, we never qualify ourselves, but He qualifies us. He's the one who said, I chose you. I know what you're like. I know your flaws and failings. I know what's happened in the past, but I'm choosing you. Why? Because you can do it. Because I'm inside of you. I'm going to write a new chapter in your life. It's going to be a chapter of redemption. This will be the story that your kids will speak about. You know what? Things went bad, but then God stepped in. God did something amazing. He turned the tables. Where there was no way, He made a way. Where there was no opportunity, He made an opportunity. God wrote something in your life, and He's about to do it this year that will be significant. It will be huge. You know, the first time when the Israelites stood on that precipice of the promised land, they said no. But 40 years later, God gave them a second opportunity. And the second time, they said, yes, wholeheartedly we'll do it. We're going for it. The first time they complained about the fortified cities, but they had no idea that God was about to write a story of taking down the walls of Jericho with just a shout of praise. What can God do in your life with fortified cities with just a shout of praise? Maybe He can bring a breakthrough as you praise Him, as you have gratitude welling up in your heart and you praise Him for all that He's done. You know, the first time they complained, they said, we can't go through, they got powerful armies. But they had no idea what God was about to do. He could do with an army of 300 against an army of tens of thousands. You know, sometimes it's the size and the experience doesn't matter because God can take you and me, willing vessels, and says, if you give me a life, I can write an amazing story with it. I can do something incredible. They complained the first time. They said, this land is filled with giants. But they had no idea that one of the most famous stories ever to be written was the story of David and Goliath, where God would use someone small and insignificant and take down the biggest giant of the land. What can God do in your 2021? Is He about to take down a Goliath in your life? Is He about to move a mountain in your world? Is He about to do the impossible? Come on, can we stand to our feet right across this room? God's Word is the creative force. Can I remind you of that? God's Word brought the heavens into existence. God's Word was what created you and I, gave us life, gave us breath. His Word carries all authority under heaven and on earth. And God is about to speak a word into your world. He's about to speak a word into your life. He's about to tell you what He believes in you, what He's about to start in you. What would happen if we heard one word from God? Just one word carrying the authority of heaven. What would it do in my life? What would it do in your life? 
if we step out on that word, say, God, I take you at that word. I'm feeling fearful, but I'm going to step out anyway. God, I don't know what's on the other side, but I believe you've got a word, you've got a plan, you've got a purpose for me. Come on.